You're listening to Outside Radio. Welcome back to Ugly Girls Club on Outside Radio. Thanks to everyone for being part of this amazing journey with me and Ugly Girls Club and Outside Radio. We are so thankful for everyone who takes the time to get involved, participate and listen to the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Outside Radio underscore. Also, don't forget to tap that subscribe button so when we post our podcasts or any other content on the streaming platforms you'll be the first to know um and also follow us follow us everywhere apple Podcasts, spotify soundcloud wherever we may be you'll find us follow us google Podcasts. just follow us just subscribe and follow us thank you to usigi for last week's episode as i said last week schools were opening and I thought it would be really cool to have a conversation about our university environment, our university schools and the differences you get from Model C universities and uh, a previously uh, black, a historically black university and the disparities that happen. So if you haven't listened to, this ep- to that episode, check it out. It's really informative. Siki was part of the UCT student body so she has quite a lot of insight um on how students were treated and how the uct environment was when she was there and probably still is this month we are doing something different on outside radio we are going to be having a month where we're just going to be talking about human rights as it's human rights month in south africa we're talking about human rights in its different contexts, in its different spaces and places. Um, and some episodes, I mean, won't be sad, you know, like this one. I think it's a really positive, empowering episode. Um, and then there'll be more throughout the month. So check out our Instagram for notifications on articles, new podcast drops, um, and other content that, would be, that we will be doing around um human rights this month okay so this week uh we are going to be talking about human rights and art and activism and how all of these things work together in our society how they have been always part of change in society you know art um, and activism has always been part of our, our has been part of like propellers for change. Um, if I can put it like that, basically, in in major movements, you know, art and culture is like a heart is the heart of a lot of societies. You know, um, not everyone is going to go to uh, a rally to go protest but everyone can listen to a song and feel impacted listen to poetry look at an art piece a graffiti on the wall and be impacted by that and moved 
to create change. So to talk through this episode with me, I have the amazing Ukanisile from this awesome, super duper, like doing great things organization, Kids of Miko. Welcome, Kanye. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so what we like to do on the show is I like having people introduce themselves, especially as black women. We are never given the opportunity to give like who we are, what we love, you know, yeah. um, to say it out loud with our full chest. So do you mind introducing yourself and letting the listeners know how amazing you are, please? <laughs> Not at all. Um, so I am a 22-year-old African woman. My name is Kanyisile Shavalala. And um, currently in my last year at Roach University, um, I'm also the founder and coordinator of Kids of Biko. Um, and and yeah, that's that's me. That's cool. So what are you what are you currently doing at Roach? Um, so I am working towards a BA triple majoring in politics, drama, and philosophy. How is that going for you? Because I, I know triple majors <laughs> are like tense. Um, you know what? I, I've actually really enjoyed my my process only because I mean like with roads, you know how we were able to swap and, and figure out, you know, what courses we want to or what courses are really for us. So I in first year I started off um, studying law, law journ what was it? It was law journ history and politics you know and over over the years you know I was able to figure out what really was for me and and all that stuff so my degree currently is is literally the best thing that I've ever I've ever done for myself to be honest that's cool I dropped politics in um first first year yeah because <laughs> I felt like it was like a little bit um white if I can put it like okay. that so to this episode um we're talking human rights um, to you, you know, because sometimes I like to see like where people's heads are at about a, a, a certain framework, you know, um, and I don't want like a, a dictionary definition. No, it's about how you feel about this, you know. Um, human rights you know what does that term necessarily mean for you as or can you see it and then as kids of Miko? um no personally when i hear human rights um i hear you know just just like equal civil rights for people um the opportunity for people for all people to live and be able to do what they want to do you know so to have a sense of freedom over their own bodies um you know over over what what they want to do because at the end of the day people are different um and so we enjoy different things we want to take part in different things so giving people um human rights is one to give people that access and the resources that they need to you know fully um, immerse themselves in like their own personal needs or wants um, but I think from a more uh, kids of Biko side of it um, 
uh, I think human rights would specifically speak to people of color, people who, you know, come from a history um, where, you know, their lives have 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 um, very much been determined or or not determined have have functioned um, in in relation to whiteness. Um, or subject to whiteness, um, you know, black people, everything, almost everything that we do, um, it's it's almost um, tied to whiteness. Um, so, so human rights would be um, breaking that chain um, and allowing, um, you know, black people, people of color, to live without um, the shackles of of you know oppression of their oppression. And I think also like for women, it would be um, away from the oppression of. Um, patriarchy um, the the power that men have over us um, for people um, who are part of the LGBTQI plus community it would be um, the power the rights and the liberty to work to function to to live without um, being subject to heterosexual um, um, ways of living or principles or whatever the case might be um, so yeah, so in a nutshell, human rights is just allowing people to do what they want to do, to be free, to to be able to live authentically, um, authentically in who they they are, you know, and what speaks to them. Um, yeah, mm, I agree, and I think also for me, the the term dignity um, is a a big thing for me when it comes to human rights as well you know um, it's like how you're saying um having to have people um live a full life right without these constraints without these other things saying yes or no you know um when when we are quote unquote full people without these distractions there's a sense of like dignity being brought back into you you know um as a as a woman as a member of the lgbt community you know um i'm not saying like someone is dignityless walking around Mm. you know just the idea of being able to stand up straight and tall without having um, that outside person saying, you don't have the right to do this, you know. Um, And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, The the replenishing, really, um, of yourself with art and the the aspects of your rights, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and Kids of Biko, why was the organization formed? Like, what was missing in society, um, particularly in Joburg or in Grahamstown, that you felt like, you know, this needs to be done? For sure. Um, so, the, the, the power of Kids of Biko is that Kids of Biko has really, really grown, developed, and evolved with me, you know, as I've become more conscious, so has the organization. Um, So originally, Kids of Biko, I mean, originally, Kids of Biko actually is not what it was initially (laughs) intended to be at all. Um, I founded Kids of Biko in my last stretch of high school. 
when I I just felt that as as you know as the black girls in my school so I went to a private school um so of course um you know there were a lot more white people and um there there was no like there was no space or place for black girls to kind of call home um in that institution so for me kids of biko was about creating that space you know creating a space where black black people can come and you know have conversations have conversations that the school wasn't ready or wasn't wanting um you know us to have but were conversations that we needed to have um and and just from there a lot of my friends from other schools around um you know were also just like listen we really want to be a part of these conversations as well please can you extend um the platform to you know not just your your school um and and that's that that was really how Kizabiko ended up becoming a organization um and and yeah yeah that that was about the inception of it that's super cool. So where would you guys hold these meetings because um I just want to first point out like that's really great being in those environments. Mm-hmm. I I fully relate um being in a, a private school situation where you're basically really suppressed really. Um your your blackness has no space there. Um even in I remember like in history class We'd be talking about issues surrounding like land or in apartheid, you know, and the the white voice was always really prevalent yeah. um, in the conversation. Whereas giving space to the black child to express, you know, um, what what the legacy of apartheid left for for us, you know, even if we are in a higher LSM we still have family members you know who are still in the township family members in rural areas you know so there's we still live in that context okay. so that was super cool that you guys that you um created a space like an a safe space for 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 black kids alike you know and i'm sure everyone was invited really yeah um to to have a conversation like that's so cool like because i remember like i just i was acting out like i was like fuck the white people (laughs) (laughs) i was a mess like i was so angry like i was just like oh because you know you assimilate 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 and then there becomes a point where you just had enough yeah. For me, that was um, actually one of my biggest challenges, but also motivation, um, and and what really, really, really inspired me to, um, you know, get Kizubiko on its feet was, I come from a very proud African black home. Um, you know, I come from a family where my dad is a Pan Africanist. Um, my mom's extremely, um, you know, centered in African spirituality. And so for me, I almost literally felt as if I was, I had to be two different people, you know, when I'm at home, then, you know, I'm, 
I'm I'm can you see it? You know, I'm 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 getting exposed to you know the writings of people like Steve Biko. I'm I'm being exposed to the philosophies and the type of leadership from um you know our greatest leaders such as Thomas Sankara. But at school, like I'm not exposed to these people at all. Um, that's something that I kind of have to leave. I literally, you know. I literally felt like as soon as I stepped onto campus, I had to get rid of that in order for me to fit in, in order for me to, um, you know, find find my place, you know, within the school. Um, so there's always like this dual thing happening in my life, um, and and I think it did take for me to to reach, you know, grade eleven. Um, when I was just like, you know what, I don't want to do this. This is this is exhausting. I also just want to live. I just want to be a child. You know, I just want to be a teenager. I just want to be a student. I don't want to have to perform or you know take you know feel like I had to subdue myself to make other people feel comfortable. And um, I mean, to be very honest, um, my high school, I must say that the our specifically my grade the girls the black girls already kind of had their own identity to be very fair so even starting this was very easy because amongst ourselves you know we were already finding our voices you know where when teachers said things that like just didn't even make sense you know we were confident enough to, well we are starting to gain the confidence to say listen boo um this is not okay for you to say um that you don't see race or whatever is, is an insult to me like i want you to see my blackness i want you to see who i am and you know as a teacher for you to be pushing you know these types of narratives or whatever is a problem to me so we already kind of um we're already kind of fighting the system in our own way um but but yeah just just we we still needed the space for us to like one central space for us to come um and and you know continue these conversations and um like you're saying like the the space was open which was the the cool part you know it wasn't just for um the black girls like if you know if you have white friends or whatever that wanted to be part of a cool they could come but they just had to come with the understanding that you're here to listen and you're here to um to hear what we have to say but you're not here to take control of the conversation um to be fair we don't actually even want your opinion and that's that and biko why why steve biko um and why do you think um, someone like Steve Biko resonates with young people until this day. Um, you know, when I when I was you know trying to figure out what what to call the platform, um, uh, the name Kids of Biko was very highly contested, or not contested, but there was a lot of like, mm, but Kanye, are you sure? Um, but for me. The reason why I had to um, and why I'm I'm very happy that I did make the decision is because as a philosopher, activist and everything that um, Steve Biko is and represents um, at the essence of him um, and, and, and his philosophy was the idea of black consciousness, um, you know, seeing or even beyond just black consciousness as a mere movement, um, I just fell in in love and, and very impacted by um, his his vision or he his solution 
um, you know, of how do we deal with, you know, 300 years of being colonized, of apartheid, of all these things, um, is, is through black love, but black love in a, a radical, as a, like, as a radical liberation um, type of method, you know, so, so when I talk about black love, I'm not necessarily talking black love in like a romantic sense, but I'm talking in the sense of developing or, um, you know, conscientizing um, black worth, you know, looking at yourself and seeing um, seeing someone who has so much pride, seeing someone um, with so much dignity, um, seeing someone that comes from and and is like uh, you know our our history is part of our DNA, and um, you know just African Africans and Africa, our history is so rich. Um, it's so rich in culture. It's so rich in diversity. It's so rich in power. It's so so rich in strength. Um, and and you know, for for me, that's just something that that always resonates and that makes sense. Um, and I think just amongst the youth, um, I I see that as a one thing that we can use as as a thing that we that that brings us together as a, our connecting cord because you know when we talk about like the the young generation um of the youth from 1976 they had a clear i mean the thing that brought them together was that they all had one enemy and that was whiteness right the the apartheid regime and all that stuff and just something that lacks with us is that we don't have that one thing that we all agree on especially now um you know with the developing middle class now um you know you do have black people who benefit from black privilege you know so 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 like our blackness is i mean i guess our blackness is still the thing that will connect us but i just yeah i was saying um that black love is is the real thing that you know can can bring us together in a in a way that will allow us to um to really challenge the system um, and and then so yeah so that's why that that's just something that really resonated um with me and why i ended up choosing um steve Biko as our name and i also think like um with his work of like you said black consciousness and how in the space that you were in how important it was to fulfill that that part of you yeah. you know um and I'm sure for all the other girls in that space as well, you know, like being constantly, like you said, living half lives or ignoring the one for the other, mm-hmm. you know, um, being able to just be, you know, I am a, a black body and being a black woman body. Um, these are the things that I come with, you know. Um, so I think because for some of the things he stands for makes so much sense um in that space personally for me yeah um and, and talking about like saying we like the objectives and things we need to think about as a people for your organization what are some of your main objectives or what's most important for you guys to to tackle within this vast space of issues 
that um, black people live with? Um, I think our like main three missions um, would be decolonization, educating and celebrating blackness. And, um, you know, that's looked very differently over the years. Um, but it is um, fundamentally just about um, sharing of our history, um, you know, creating black archives um, and, and exposing more um, bodies to these types of archives. So, um, you know, not, not, not always just, um, not necessarily political all the time, but even just the, you know, the creative history um, that was happening um, through music, through art, through through you know through dance. Like I'm just thinking of Bo Miriam Ageba, and you know. So if we go through our feed, these are the people who you know we often speak about because the work that they were doing, you know, was just as important as the people who were um, you know on going who are in exile or whatever the case might be. Um, and another big, big part of Kids of Beagle is our community projects. Um, so for us, uh, the community project aspect of Kids of Beagle is really just saying, okay, look, we've had these conversations, um, we've talked through these things. Um, now, how do we, how do we change talk into action? Um, and and looking, I mean, going towards our you know black communities was was um how we we dealt with that question um and so because if we go over the years we've done a lot of like um projects um that you know will help you know people like help um help like food with food and stuff like that but also a lot of projects that also just um you know just to uplift the community so um we have the annual glam team sorry glam room which basically we select about five um five girls from joburg and makanda um and we help them with their matric dance so we literally do everything from you know the outfit the jewelry um also a young like pre drinks for them and their family um and of course that that is just to um alleviate their their parents but also um like for a lot of the girls that we do and help helping you know they they do so well in school um but because of finances and things that really um you know are not their fault um they most likely wouldn't even have been able to go to the matric dance so those are the types of projects that um we are are over that we've started um COVID did kind of set us back a lot there's a lot that we were hoping to do last year but um yeah we were also just learning to to adapt and hopefully um this year we'll see at least new three new projects and then to go uh talk about the education part Mm -hmm. of there's a lot of stuff that you guys do on Instagram, Instagram Live, mm-hmm. um, the conversations that you have. I know the one where there was a series about um, blackness in academia, mm-hmm. and they spoke about the LGBT, LGBTQ plus community. Um, do you mind sharing one of those projects? Right. So the series that you're referring to is called the Black Review. Um, and and basically that that was 
us adapting to COVID. Um, those conversations were actually supposed to be events, but um, because we were all separated and, and just social distancing and all that stuff, we decided to um, implement a, a series on, on Instagram Lives. And um, the idea was for us to tackle, deal with um, a, a, like a range of conversations that were centered around, um, well, that revolved around, you know, young black bodies. Um, so, so that allowed us to, to, you know, look at a whole lot of different aspects, um, because everything, you know, because of the intersectionalities of like sexuality, of, of, you know, academia and like all these different, um, all these different topics. Um, so yeah, so yeah, we, we literally just looked at like a whole lot of different, um, uh, topics that related to young people and we got, um, we got professionals or, you know, just people, activists, just people that were um, deeply or heavily, you know, versed or had like a good sense of knowledge um, for those particular conversations. Um, yeah. I think that's super cool. Um, even the one um, where of something of consciousness. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. I think that's also like just the, the whole... Um, idea is super cool because where do where do we get a chance to get involved in those conversations you know spaces like that are so important um and as well the as time goes and more access and other things influence our day-to-day life Mm -hmm. um the experiences change you know um and there needs to be somewhere where people can go and be like oh yes i saw this conversation happening there so um you know i'm not the only one going through this you know i think that's the most important and i think also for us at outside radio that was my our whole idea as well like we we are going through these things we are in varsity we go to work you know um it's like the the black child suffers alone mm-hmm. type of thing um it's such an internalized shameful um experience when you're going through something whereas really the next person is also going through the same thing but no one is speaking about it because um it's looked down upon and you know the the more we speak about it the more we share it, the more we document um the the experiences and the the black experience really mm-hmm. the the better as well because also the work that you guys are doing um think about it like when we gone you know people will have access to this yeah yeah well, and i think that's most important there's a lot of our history and our experiences that are missing and are either written by white people so like is the information even true mm. you know mm. just really never know you spoke about the arts and um how people also there's there's stories in the arts people need to be aware of those stories how people contributed through music through 
place theater through poetry etc um to activism um how 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 important is arts in the activist realm i think it's extremely extremely important in fact um for me it was my loyalty towards drama in high school that really really got me to discover and realize that everything that we were being taught in in school and you know just all the other subjects has always been taught in a glass ceiling um whereas you know drama is the the, the only subject well you know the most um imperative subject that actually allowed me to um, engage with writings um, from people and philosophers such as Steve Beagle. So, um, you know, the power in, in art is, 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 is so powerful. <laughs> it's so powerful and, and, you know, we very often neglect it. But also um, now as a university student, um, it just, it's gotten me to really think about what we consider as academic um, and I think that that's where the problem with how people genuinely view art and culture oh that's where people being left behind because you know we we've become so programmed to believing that anything that's academic or anything that you're learning from has to be um, presented in like a very formal type of structure you know it has to be in um, you know, in, in just in the syllabuses or whatever that we get from school, but the the beauty of art and culture and you know art and craft is that art very literally is a reflection of society. The people, anyone who's making anything that is creative, is getting that from either their own personal experiences or what they are seeing. Um, in real life um, so art is actually I don't know I think like art, art is actually our closest and most authentic reflection of society of the realities of society so art activism um, you know that 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 that's its role and that's you know it's it's key um, like I even mentioned for Miriam Akeba um, you know I if you, when you listen to to the music that she was creating, um, it very literally was a reflection of what was what was life like for black bodies, um, you know, during the apartheid regime, you know, um, and and through that she was able to able to allow for more people who weren't in South Africa to understand or to even hear what was going on because I get it through media and stuff like that the government and stuff were regulating what people were saying but it was through music through art that people were creating that people you know other people were able to to gain the knowledge of of what was going on so so you know that's yeah I think that art activism is extremely important and it's unfortunate that I think specifically in black homes um you know art I don't know these 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 are very these are very um what's the word like like it's not taken seriously you know it's very undermined you know when you tell like 
for a lot of for I know a lot of you know young children have experiences like when you tell your parents like look I want to study drama rather than you know the traditional courses and stuff like that it's like are you sure you know what is this thing going to give you what you know what's happening there but for me I think through drama even in university that's really where I've come to understand myself um and and um yeah I think uh art is like super important you know um oh yeah drama really was uh, a good space um to to explore um that whole concept of art and activism because a lot of drama um or theater itself came from that place you yeah. know place of like hurt torment you know um and it was a a reflection of what people were going through and feeling at that time and to bring it to south africa for me what i really loved um with protest theater was how it went to the people so i'll make a, a general example of how was albert started was albert um was basically like performed on the streets mm. you know before it even went to uh, a theater house you know it was performed on the streets for the people to engage with it you know and people enjoyed it you know people enjoyed that stuff and i think maybe it's like a a lack of access i guess sure. to to the arts and also seeing how the arts don't necessarily pay you know um, when you talk about it not being taken seriously as a profession in our communities you know a lot of people we are in disadvantaged spaces you know so when people go get educated the the purpose is to come back with bread you know not not another empty stomach you know that is the problem though the reason mm. why the arts aren't generating you know millionaires on on you know daily is because of our attitude towards it like i'm specifically speaking about south africa as you know as a country and as a nation just the mm. fact that our government is hardly putting in any money i mean of course then you're not going to really build um you're not going to build the profession whereas you know when you look at places like canada the government puts in so much money um from and into their their like creatives and stuff like that and that's why and that's how they end up becoming you know as big as Paul Drake and stuff like that because once the government finds this person the, the government will invest in this and, and allow that person to then you know start getting recognized um overseas or whatever but with us it's always the opposite we have to first get recognized overseas and then we start you know and that's only when as people we want to put in money um and all that stuff so i don't think um yeah so i think i think that the the, the problem there's our attitude towards um towards you know, the arts yeah and i mean even the jewish you know that's how jewish people generate 
um, the, how, that's how they've generated generational wealth is because they invest in their artists. Once a new artist comes, you know, everyone is going to auction and that creates value. That's what allows, you know, that particular art piece to become as valuable as it is where, you know, now it's, it's already going for the millions. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's just also something that we, we need to work on as a country. Mm, I totally agree. There's like zero funding in um, art schools. And if you want to go to an art school, it's like a, a private school. Yeah. Um, there's no um, like government or, or should I say Model C school that, um, that caters to the arts or any of the sort really. Because yeah. art is something that moves us, yeah. right? And we speaking specifically to activism, you you might see an art piece or uh, a graphic, and that will move you more, you know, than someone saying to you "Isamasambe" to go protest somewhere real quick. Mm-hmm. You know, you you might feel more inclined to do something about something when you are exposed to to the arts For sure. you know what what are your thoughts about that as like art as a form of disruption to our normal day-to-day life see the thing is um i think also just the beauty of art is you can is, is because of the way a message is told is able to ignite or bring up a lot more than just words or you know like what you're saying like just the the day-to-day that's why something like that would catch you um because it it plays with your emotion it plays with your mental it plays you know uh, you know i think it even like plays with your 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 spirit i guess um because right now i'm just thinking of the um, the whole <laughs> the whole saga where um someone painted um a a painting of jacob zuma with um his penis or whatever whatever the situation was um that the good man and someone came and actually put a cross and like painted over that painting um you know and you know funny enough that painting um ended up like it, it got the, the its value and its price ended up going up completely. Like it literally shot up. Um, so that you know, and it's because of the disruption part of it. Um, also, just think that through art, you're able to say a lot more without saying the most. If that makes sense, you know, it's very clear, very to the point. When you know the reason why the mural, whatever that you saw, has has you know um, stuck with you is because it was very very clean but very impactful and i just think that that's like um just the power of art generally is um you know you we be able to say a lot more without saying too much or without having to do the most and lastly going back to the term dignity um we've spoken about you guys as an organization what you guys stand for some of the work that you're doing on the ground um, how do you think all of this that you guys are doing as an organization um, re- replenishes that dignity, replenishes the, the, the blackness, replenishes the, 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 
the and I have the right to 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 be who I am you know um, how how do you think um, kids of Vigo plays a role in the greater context um I think I, well, I have to speak like specifically about the different projects because I think every every project has its own um, it has its own answer for this question. But um, you know, because just looking at like the the kids of the kids of Rico Glamour that I was speaking to you about, I think um, for the girls, I think that that reaffirms them of you know, the work that they've put in, the effort that they've put in, and also just that thing of, you know, I've worked so hard throughout my high school life, and, you know, I've taken on all these challenges, you know, the challenges that do come with being a black woman in a, you know, white supremacist society, and to be quite frankly, like, I did that, you know, and so I also deserve to be celebrated, I deserve to have my day of you know, I'm here and I exist and I'm proud of myself. And I think for the parents, because, um, you know, like I was saying, for a lot of those parents, you know, um, as well as 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 um, amazing as their kids do for a lot of them, they just simply don't have the funds to give their children that. So I think, um, you know, our work there really does um, also kind of, you know, affirm the parents of, you know, um, that you, you've done what you've done. Um, I mean, you're doing what you, you're doing and you're not alone type of thing. Um, but via more of like our our archives and, um, you know, collecting history and, and, you know, sharing that with people, I think... Um, I think that it, it, does, it does a mental work of just affirming people of colour um, of our history and, again, of what we are capable of doing so we're very very big on celebrating um you know the you know people who have accomplished things in their own rights and i think for someone else to be taking that in it is also that thing of like why is it getting you know i'm able um doing that thing as well and i think that that's where the pride comes in and also just having um the knowledge of your history of you know damn bro like this is actually what my ancestors did and my ancestors did this without um you know without the internet without all these things that have um all these things that we um all these things that we benefit from but also things that um you know europeans and people who colonized us came i mean have have had we did it without those things so it's also just like very reaffirming um in that way um, and yeah, just again, like just knowing where you come from and um, where you come from, who you are and, and where you're going. Um, that's been like a very, very key aspect to, to you know, Kids of Biko's work um, and just really wanting more people to have that access, you know, access to that information. Um, so, so for us, like Instagram, Twitter have been like, you know, very helpful in that so many people already engage with, you know, that type of, I mean, those apps. And so for you to now be engaging with that content, um, you know, it's really dope. Um, and uh, yeah, it does a lot to you, Shim. Mm. Mm, like, um, I think what's really cool about what you just said, understanding that we have a history and our history is of people who 
we're doing amazing things you know for sure uh, that validates that validates you as a person yeah. you know yeah. that really does make you go okay yeah no to go do now yeah. you know as a black body in a space because i wanted um, to say the the thing is also just genuinely like when a lot of people when we most of the time when we do talk about african history we do usually um you know it it starts and it ends with like colonization and apartheid and then it's almost like it's done so i think also um our work has been going beyond that you know and 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 really showing people what the um black history did not start when you know white people decided to come and colonize us there's already so much happening like we had empires we already had um you know we had so much happening here um and and there were people doing the most um that we often don't hear about and and us not hearing about those people is also very intentional so we're trying to intentionally um you know come back that and and you know give the information that people are very clever to leave out all the time mm that's that's very true that's very true um there's an unwritten history that we we don't get access to or there are some books that are available but aren't available at exclusive books mm-hmm. you know mm. uh so yeah that's super true um from my side i think that's it do you have any last words you'd like to part with us with the listeners um yeah just i uh, want to say thank you again um you know for having us on this platform um and if anyone is listening um who's never heard of kids of people before please do go have a look at our social media we're on instagram and twitter at kids underscore of underscore beagle um and and yeah i just hope you know more people can engage with what we do and you know if if people have information you know that that they want to share um please may they also feel free to share that with us um and we will you know share it to everyone else and yeah cool thank you. thank you so much kanye um i had such a great conversation <laughs> learned so much Um please do follow Kids of Vigo on Instagram, Twitter. Um they also have a YouTube page. Oh. Check out their Insta lives. Um they're all archived so they're all available on the page doing really super dope amazing work um for young people. It's important that we engage in each other's work, support each other. Um so people can bring better quality stuff to you you never know you know what how um organizations different organizations can impact your life um in the future so please do check it out please check them out thank you again kanye for being on the show follow us also on outside radio underscore on instagram and you can check out all of our work um previous episodes of Ugly Girls Club and other podcasts are available on there as well um and that's me Nico until next time <laughs>